All right, guys, welcome back to Deeper Than Most. I'm your host, DJ. And I'm your host, Sav. And we're looking at episode 31. 31. And not only episode 31, FNC part 14. Good we're stuff. flying through these states. Good stuff. <sighs> like, really. It, I feel, well, it feels like we're flying through these states, but... We're kind of not because we have 50 states to do and we're only on state 14. <laughs> but, you know. I mean, hey, progress is progress. Yeah, that is true. We're in Indiana today. Never thought I would say that. <laughs> have no, you ever been to India or not Indiana? Not there. Really? I mean, even though I only like pass through, it doesn't seem like it's too much. Yeah. Going on. All right. So, you know what time it is. It's time for our dose of the most. And our first one is called No More Ice Cream. And I'm really excited about these intro topics because they're kind of just interesting and petty. It's just nice to have a laugh from time to time. Yeah. So according to Wall Street Journal, the FTC, which is the Federal Trade Commission, is raising an eyebrow at McDonald's. And is looking into their ice cream machine problem. As Final it should be. Right. Bro, <laughs> ice cream or McDonald's ice cream machine been no, out never since worked. I was, No, work. that shit been out and not working since I was like two years old. Literally. <laughs> so yeah. But um over the summer the FTC has been sending letter after letter to <laughs> McDonald's franchises all over the US. They are demanding to know what the deal is with those ice cream machines. Because, like, for real, what's the issue? And it's not just one. It's not just a couple McDonald's. It's literally every, every one single of, one. Every There's got to be a conspiracy Every time. Because how, how all of them just broke? Like, who fucked them up? Right. And, like, why? Well, they have their reasons. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've, I've worked at McDonald's before. That was my first job. And... I don't ever remember the ice cream machine working at the one I was at. So, so like, do, you, do they get faulty ones? They're like, what? Like, well, does nobody no. know how to set them up? Or like, what's the deal? <laughs> well, no, they say it's deeper than that. So because of this, franchise owners have been reaching back out to make statements about these crazy machines. Many say the ice cream machines are complicated and hard to fix once broken. Mm. So what they're saying is basically like, they they can, like, get them to work or whatever, but it's not the people in the store. Mm. They have to, like, order or, you know, bring a maintenance man in, somebody that knows how to deal with these specific machines. And right. it's, like, this whole ordeal. Mm. Um, and it just never gets done. So, yeah. Um, also, huh. these franchise owners are sick of being the butt end of all the McDonald's jokes. <laughs> Specifically, the McDonald's ice cream machine is always broke ones. Even Wendy's and Burger King threw shots at McDonald's for this issue. Yeah, because Wendy is Wendy's be on ferocious their ass. with that Twitter shit. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah, and it's on Twitter too. Yeah. Mm-hmm, Wendy's is that bitch. <laughs> Literally. So, yeah. Yo, and this next one is kind of really fun to me. Like, when you brought this up to me, I was like, what? Why would he even go Why try? That? Yeah. yeah. You should at least have somebody pre-fruit. Proofread it. Wow, I said pre-fruit. <laughs> Proofread your shit. Pre-fruit. What'd that be? 
Ain't no telling. I'm gonna come up with a meaning. Just give me Free time. Food. For sure. Gotta get a t shirt. <laughs> Merch coming soon, guys. Be Free food. <laughs> get yours today. So, <laughs> no can't write, can't rob a bank. And honestly, that couldn't have been a more true statement. Because what the fuck? <laughs> Alan Slattery tried to rob a bank recently and failed miserably. <laughs> Bad handwriting completely failed this man's robbery attempt in South England. Um, I didn't even know it was in England Jesus. until like. I started going into the details. Cause I remember. I didn't. I just don't. I don't know what it is about me and my fucking minuscule ass brain. But you guys, when it comes down to like crazy things happening in other parts of the world, like I know that stuff happens, but like when shit like this happens and I read about it in the news or what wherever, mm-hmm. I automatically assume U.S. Yep, that's some Americans. But, like, I don't ever think that, like, shit like this happens in other countries around the world. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, when I heard about this whole, like, rob a bank thing, I'm like, oh, where the fuck this happened yeah, at? Well, happened and then it everywhere. was in England, and I'm like, wait, they be robbing banks out there? What? They be doing <laughs> so, it. Yeah. shit done. Mm-hmm. The bank tellers described to the media that they simply couldn't read the robber's threatening note threatening because good god it wasn't that damn threatening <laughs> i read the note and it was fucking hilarious I'll yeah we'll it. put the note up on the screen <laughs> as well if you're watching this on youtube um because it's really shit it's shitty when you see it you're gonna laugh you're gonna be struggling to read it too <laughs> 67 year old alan fled the scene empty-handed from a nationwide building society branch in eastbourne he was demanding cash and in his crappy note he put your screen won't stop what I've got. Just hand over the tens and twenties. Think about the other customers. <laughs> that should sound like a movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you mean? According to some sources, he used the note at three different banks, and mm. each of them were unsuccessful. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> now that's sad. <laughs> Not going on a spree and didn't get shit. Didn't get nothing Damn. at all. A complete fail. Oof. And third time supposed to be a charm. Terrible criminal. Terrible. <sighs> yeah. So <laughs> it didn't even. Yeah, it didn't even get anything out terrible of it. Terrible criminal. Like, I'm, just <laughs> but, <laughs> do better. Because next of time. his terrible handwriting, literally, he has since been arrested, as he should be. Because Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. Fucking crazy. <laughs> And he didn't even get to commit the crime for real, for real. Exactly. He didn't get to do anything. Damn shame. So, yeah, that is our little dose of the most for today. And um, we hope that you guys had a good Labor Day. Yes. Um, It's actually Labor Day as we're filming this, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Wait, yeah. no one's Labor Day? I don't know, but Labor Day would have, will be like here and gone by the time y'all watch this. So, yes. also, happy Labor Day. Us, let us know if you practice Lent at all. What the hell is Lent? It's like where people like give up or something for like three days and can't wear white and all this extra stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. So, drop a comment. Let us know. Yeah. Or if you know anybody that for does. Sure. So. This brings us into today's case, mm. which is the infamous LaSalle Street murders. It's a triple murder case, um, and it's crazy. Like, when people say life just writes itself, they're not lying. Yeah, no. She, this she, case itself is literally like a movie. 
Um, so with that being said, mm. get your snacks, um, get comfortable, and just help us unravel this because this one really is it's just a mind fuck because none of it makes sense none of it nothing makes sense there's too much information and not enough at the same time mm -hmm. and yeah that's all i'm gonna say before we yeah it's a lot start getting into this it's a lot. it really is it really is and also um before we even jump into the case please you know give us a thumbs up Give us a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platform. Please. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel. Please um, do that. Do that, yeah. We're doing a giveaway in October. We're doing our next giveaway for October. And the winner will be announced on Halloween. Well, our Halloween episode will announce the winner. So make sure, and it's going to be YouTube only. So make sure that you're subscribed to our YouTube. We're going to be saying that every episode until y'all get it right okay <laughs> so what what did you have to say catch the videos if you ain't catching them and watch our older episodes too you really might find something you might like in there yeah we recently did that the other day and it's almost like we're not the ones on the video because we still learn stuff when we go back and exactly. rewatch. so yeah anyways let's go ahead and get into this so, first, I'm going to just give a brief background on our two main victims. Um, there are three victims, but I don't know why, but it's mainly, like, the case mainly revolves around these two individuals. Mm -hmm. um, I guess because they have the most information, or that's who the police believe that the attack was targeted towards not the third person mm -hmm. so um we're gonna get into the background of robert henson and robert gears so there's two roberts there's a lot of a lot of uh multiples of names there's like three roberts in yeah. this one case Reason there's like it. two carols yeah <laughs> there's a, there's a lot so hopefully you guys can follow along yeah and check it out with us exactly so before becoming the known businessmen they were, Henson and Gears, I'm going to call them Henson and Gears or Roberts because there's two of them, they got the same name. Mm -hmm. um, Henson and Gears were friends long before the tragic events, working at Jasper for businessman Ted Uland. I think it's Uland. I think it's Uland. I think it's Uland. Uland? Yeah. They mutually agreed to quit their job together and did. Whilst ending their time at Jasper, they took a few of Ulin's clients with them, as well as some money and equipment. Henson and Gears were on a mission, and that mission was to create their own microfilming business. I don't know what that is. I'm guessing a small, like, film company? I'm guessing so, but I smell a... <laughs> I smell a bit of a motive. A motive? Yeah. yeah. The fact that they stole his... <laughs> This dude's money and like his their old boss at that yeah. stole some of his money and Finance. his equipment to go fund their own business endeavor. Some shark stuff right there, man. Yes, definitely got to be careful with that type of deal, especially yeah. like if it wasn't a, an agreement. Like right, if that was not the. Now thing. we don't know. We don't know the details, but right. it from the details of the case, it doesn't seem like Ted gave any type of consent for them to take his stuff. Right. Um, however, Uland was one step ahead. 
Before the two men tried taking their own route, Yulin made sure to take out life insurance policies on oh. both of them for $150,000 each. Mm, so, another. So, he, you know, once he found out, okay, they're trying to, like, steal from me after they were just working for me. Like, I was helping them make a living, and now they're stealing from me. I got something for them. Right. I'm going to get... A life insurance policy taken out on both of them for a high ticket price. Because that's a pretty good damn price. Especially back then. This was like in the 70s. This Hell was in yeah. 71. Money had a different value back yeah. then. Yeah. $150,000 a day could be exactly. who knows how much back then. Yeah. So, well, no. $150,000 back then means who knows how much now. Yeah. Because the value is higher now. Either way, <laughs> it's a lot of fucking money. Now we're gonna look at the scene and the setup. To continue on, Gears is 34, Henson is 30, and both robbers were businessmen and were known to party very hard. Yeah, and honestly, I feel like uh, that's kind of the connotation with all businessmen. Like, I'm trying to think of, um, what's that, what's the name of that movie? God. Wolf of Wall Street. But they're businessmen. Because, like, what the hell is a businessman? <laughs> For yeah, one. Nobody ever knows what they you do. You don't. You just know they do business. Yeah. And we're okay with that. But who knows? Like, nobody knows what the business is ever. But, um, you know, typically businessmen do party hard. At least that's how they're portrayed. Right. It was December 1st, 1971, early in the morning. They were both expected to be at work, even after a night out. However, neither one showed up. Afternoon passed, then evening. Still no sign of the two men. Calls were made to their home and usual hangout spots that they would frequent. But these calls all went unanswered. Oof. Loose. And the people that were making the calls, pretty sure it was their employers. Mm. Um, Doing like a wellness check and everything? Well, I mean, seeing where they were at, they didn't know that something was wrong. I mean, they didn't come into work. Where y'all at? Right. <laughs> you know? But this, again, it's like, what case was that? Ah, uh, um, fuck. The five murders, one link. What what state? Um, was that? That was... Uh, Idaho? Yes. Yeah, so just like in um, the Idaho case, how Kristen, like, her job was calling, you know, her family to see where she was at. Mm -hmm. I, I've never heard of a job do that. Like, what kind of jobs are these people getting? Because... These jobs, like, actually seemed to care back then, whereas now, I feel like if you just don't show up to work, like, your job probably is going to call you, like, once or twice or whatever, and if you don't pick up, they're just going to no-call, no-show you. Like, I feel like they don't really care about well-being of employees these days. Right. So, it is good to see that their jobs were actively trying to locate them before anybody else even knew that anything was wrong. Soon after all failed attempts to contact Garrison Henson, another co-worker of theirs, John Carnes, who is 29. John Carnes? Corn. John, what, John, John Ray Carnes? John Ray Carnes, <laughs> John Carnes, who is 29 years old, took it upon himself to do a quick welfare check at their home, located at 1318 North LaSalle Street. Mm -hmm. And that house is still there, I believe. Wow. There's pictures of it. Um, I looked on the Indianapolis Police Department website or whatever. And right there, it's just a picture of this house. Hmm. That's kind of scary. Kind of worrying. 
No one had heard from the two men all day, and this wasn't the usual. So when the co-worker arrived to their home, he welcomed himself inside. Why are you just... <laughs> what? <laughs> just walks in. Well, I mean... But I mean, if, you know... We don't. We also don't know. Like the was whole, the door ajar? Right, was right. there a window broken? Like, right. you know, was the door just wide open? Was it unlocked? Like, we don't know the details. So, I mean, for me, if I were to go check on a friend or check on a coworker that I was close to, right. and I got to their door and saw that it was like ajar or something just felt off, honestly, I probably would go in as well. Well. Actually, I don't know, because I'm chicken shit. I would definitely knock, <laughs> and I'd, like, peek my head in. But I don't think it's too far-fetched for him to just welcome himself inside, especially back in these days. You know, everybody used oh, to yeah. leave their doors, doors unlocked. Shit yeah. Before shit got crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shit was obviously crazy at this time. Well, I'm saying, like, people, yeah, people just would leave their shit unlocked. Yeah. It was just the norm. Yeah. There he unexpectedly found Gears and Henson. Yes. And the state that he saw them in is, whew, it's crazy because everybody, like, from doing the research for this case, all of the witnesses and people that were working on the case say that it was so gruesome. But I couldn't find, like, gruesome details. So I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if that's, like... I don't know what, like, if it was actually gruesome or maybe it wasn't as gruesome as the media is making it out to be. Or maybe it was to the point to where just out of respect for the victims and the families, it's just, you know, you don't need those hardcore ass details for something so heinous, you know? So, I I mean, I I don't care. I'm not mad at it, you know? It's fine. But um, I just wanted to note that there was a lot of source material saying that it was just very gruesome, very intense to see. So, yeah. Um, But with that being said, before we get into what John saw when he entered the home, we are going to take the time to thank our sponsors. And we will be back. See you soon. All right, and we're back. So now we're going to get into the crime scene itself and the third, the third, or not suspect, the third victim. Upon entering the home, John was greeted by a gruesome and heinous discovery. John had found both Roberts in the home with their hands and feet bound by pieces of sheet, as well as their throats cut. And when he... That's a hell of a way to find somebody. Yeah. Exactly. And because of that, he, um, in his little, like, I think it was news interviews. Mm -hmm. In his news interviews, he recalled just thinking how inhumane it was. Mm -hmm. The way he saw them. Because they were were technically, like, hogtied. Like, you know? Like, like bound. bound. Yeah. Like, hands and feet. So, like, my question is, were they, like, bigger men? Like They they were, actually. Like, stocky built? No, yeah, they were. I mean, yeah. Kind of interesting because like those are pretty. And how you take out three of them? Yeah. In the same home. And I'm pretty sure they're more than capable of. Exactly. So and also we don't know if somebody had broken into the house if so they willfully let somebody in. Right. So um 
yeah, there's just a lot of speculation in this case. Not only did he find Gears and Henson, he also had found one of their friends in the house. The friend was James Barker, and he was 27 years old. And James had suffered the same horrific fate as both Roberts. Hmm. So literally, all three of them, bound by their hands and feet mm-hmm. by pieces of sheet, mm-hmm. and all three of them clean, like, Throws just cut. Just cut. Mm-hmm. So pretty disturbing to honestly. Yeah. Um, to say the least. Definitely. But it gets weirder. So once John had discovered the bodies, he immediately called nine one one. However, when he explained the scene to the dispatcher, the dispatcher thought his story was a bit sketchy and over the top. Cause when she heard it, she was like, "What? The, there's no way!" Right, like, like, what are you talking? Calm about? down, you know. Right, like, right. this can't be true. You must be joking, pulling a prank, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what the dispatcher initially thought. Mm-hmm. So the dispatcher, uh, patcher, is that right? Yeah, the dispatcher. Yeah. It sounds weird the way I'm saying it. So the dispatcher, or because of this, the dispatcher only sent one officer oh. to the scene. In theory, the crime scene just sounded too grisly to be true. That's why. So, you know, she was like, well, I'll send an officer out just, just, to, check just out. to check it out. But I don't think, you know, this is probably just a kid playing a fucking prank. Right, right. That's how she or he or she thought. I don't know if it was a guy or a girl, but um, that's probably what the dispatcher was thinking. So the officer then arrived to the home on LaSalle Street and went inside. He was in the house briefly before darting back outside into his patrol car in a panic. But he freaked out. Hell yeah. Whoa, and when you got the police running out of the um house, yeah, yeah, that's how you know it's it's got to be something serious. Imagine walking down the street and, you know, walking your little dog or whatever you're and doing, playing with your kid. You. Right. And they just like, you see them I'm like full run spirit. out of a house, like across the street from where you live. <laughs> and you're just like, whoa, hold on. Mm, <laughs> I don't like this. What's going on? You know? Yeah. That's weird. That's very unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> to continue, the officer quickly started shouting demands into his radio, stating, send me 83, which is homicide, and send me identification, send me a coroner, send me superior officers. We got a triple murder. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm, imagine hearing that, because, like, he was yelling that shit. Yeah. But that's interesting. 83? I didn't... Because I don't know about, like, police code. code. Like, yeah, my dad would talk in on. his little police code through his radios, but he would never, like, he wouldn't tell me what, you know, code 93 means. Like, right. you know, he didn't do that. But right. interesting to know that 83 means homicide. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I wonder how they come up with the numbers. That's just, I would definitely be down to look into that, though. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of cool and smart, though, if you think about it. Because that's how they communicate... Like, what type of situation they're dealing with, if you don't know. That's how police officers communicate what type of um, situation they're dealing with with other officers without the common people or the public. In a discreet way. Yeah, yeah, without people catching on to what's going on. Because think about it. If you're walking past a police officer every day and you just hear them saying, oh, my God, there's a murder down the road. Right. Like, gonna everybody's going to freak out. So when they say, send me 83... You don't know what they're talking about. Right. You're just like, oh, it's just a cop yelling, doing their thing. Exactly. You know? Even when, like, uh, I don't know if you've ever been, like, pulled over or anything like that. But even if, like, they're pulling you over there on their radio, they'll even radio 10-4. in. 10-4. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Swarms of officers and detectives arrived on the scene, and from there, the revolving question of who would want to kill these men came to the surface. This, yeah, and that's when it gets crazy. Oh, I'm telling you, yeah. this is like a fucking No, movie. like, reading into it, I was like, ah, this is, uh, this is a mob movie. This is The Godfather. Uh, yeah, that's what it feels like. Hell yeah. But, like, real. Yeah. You know? Scary stuff, man. Yeah. Scary oh, stuff. and another thing that my dad used to say, um... At the end of like police calls, and he does it on regular calls too, mm-hmm. uh, or not even just to end it, but like in response, he'll say, "Copy that." Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm like, you can't just say, "Yeah, okay, copy, copy that." I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, but yeah, I guess it's just to confirm. Like, I, I heard what you yeah, said. Yeah. I understand. Got mm-hmm. you, type of deal. So yeah, just another police code for you. <laughs> the scene itself had so many oddities, oddities. Each man was located in a different room of the home. Henson was in the front bedroom, Gears was in the back bedroom, and Barker was in the bathroom, which was located between the bedrooms. Oh, Jesus. Weird, right? Right. They were all in a different room. Like, I don't don't get that. Why? Yeah. This is weird, right? Definitely a mob movie. Because what? And I wonder if it was like a shotgun house where like right. all the rooms are just like Lined in up, a yeah. row, like in a line or what. But um That's yeah. pretty it's pretty interesting that each room were in a different room and not not together. Right. Yeah. But, I wonder if that was used as a tactic to like weaken them, quote unquote, you know? Could have been. Think like about three burly yeah, men in one room together two. as opposed to three burly men in separated. Rooms, yeah. yeah. Huh. Because of the coincidence that both Henson and Gears had suffered the same fate, one of the lead detectives on the case, Detective James Strode, had a prime suspect in mind, a familiar individual, Ted Eulen. And you should remember Ted, old buddy from the beginning. Big boss. Their old man. boss. Who got the life insurance policy taken on there? One hundred and fifty thousand each. 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 That's crazy. That is wild. Cause um, if he really did play a part in it, he walking away with three hundred thousand dollars. Like that's a lot of money. Yeah. He would have been like set, probably. If he wasn't already. Exactly. Also at the scene, there were surprisingly no signs of any struggle, according to detectives, and there was no possible weapons found at the scene. Weird, right? Oof. No weapons, no struggle in the house. Sounds like a clean job. Probably no forced sign of entry, and yes, it does sound like a clean job, which sounds like a hit. Yeah. Oof. Mm-mm. So now we're going to get into the evidence. There isn't that much, um, but it's something. And that's really what matters. As long as you have something. It doesn't even matter how small the detail is. If it's good enough, it can crack a case. But I don't know. This feels very solid, but I don't know. It's just very circumstantial. You know, that mm. little circumstantial mm. evidence. I and hate that, that shit. right there. It's the worst it's and the best. It's been the downfall of a lot of people, but it's also been a halt for a lot of cases. Exactly. So from what police discovered through evidence and interviews after the murders, they were able to come up with a plausible theory months later. Mm. Three men had been sighted in a cream-colored car sitting across the street 
from the home the night of the murders. The three men were drinking beer when they were spotted. These same three men were immediate suspects, but there was no leads on who the men were. Police did conclude that the alleged perpetrators likely ambushed Henson, Gears, and Barker flowing into the house one by one. Oof, that sounds Damn. scary that's, as fuck. That's scary as hell. And the fact that they did it allegedly one by one. Like, it, right. Exactly. It just further proves the theory. Of like, like that'd be scary as fuck. Like, just I don't, you know, I don't know where they were in the house or what necessarily transpired, but I can just imagine being in a situation where you're minding your business, chilling out with your friend, your coworker, in a house, whatever, and all of a sudden somebody just busts in. Yeah. Or was, maybe knocks on the door and you right, let them in. Right. Okay. Cool. And then you shut the door. And but then again, you know, well, what am I trying to say? Not then again. <laughs> and then he starts to attack you or do whatever. But as this is happening, somebody else storms in. Like you get know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then somebody else storms in. Like fuck! Oh, that if, would be so overwhelming. If that is the case, I definitely feel like it would be people that they knew, like to be able the, to let them in. Yeah. I mean, unless unless you know, it was forced. Yeah, like, unless dude just like you know. stormed in there yeah. somehow. But, um, I don't think I would, or you know, even just knocked on the door, pretending to be a random person, and then once the door was opened, Mm -hmm. forced their way in. Then definitely seems like they were getting a little plan together, though. What the men, yeah, either that or they were scouting, you know, like scoping the place out to see and make sure that they're actually in there and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. If it were a hit, I mean, I feel like that's. Not necessarily exactly how it would go, but Close you could definitely picture something like this going on if it were a hit and mm-hmm. like a setup. Um, it just makes sense. Why? Why are you like suspiciously just, just sitting, sitting there? Outside the house. Yeah. yeah, the same night, drinking beer, and three of them. There's three men and three victims, all in different rooms. So. Mm-hmm. If the men did storm in, like, mm-hmm. one by one, they could have dragged them each. Yep. You know? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But it just sounds scary. Yep. And even if they were to all, like, bust in at one time, I don't know. It's, like, it's just it's scary. Like I said, if they were to do it one by one, it's interesting because they would have to make sure that they were alone. Because, like, I'm, like I'm assuming they're pretty burly guys, so there's right. no way that one person right. could just... Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy. It just doesn't make sense. (laughs) So, over the decades, police have followed many leads that led nowhere. Yulin was still a probable suspect, but as detectives dug deeper and deeper into his story, it just didn't fit the narrative. Yulin had a rock-solid alibi and was reportedly in South Indiana at the time. And also, all three victims had been involved in other questionable interactions with unknown individuals, meaning anybody could have done this. They all had targets on their backs, supposedly. We don't know for sure, but mm-hmm. from what all the sources are saying, like all three of the victims, all three of the men, they had they each had their own little target on their back. Things, yeah. yeah, they were tied to other things, exactly. Um, so, although... It would have been easy to say, oh, yeah, their boss did it so he can get that money. I mean, they couldn't definitively say that because 
they they just didn't know there's many plausible reasons as to why somebody would have wanted to do this so and that's the craziest part like this shit really lined up in a weird way Mm -hmm. and honestly even though the fact that they brought up how he was in south indiana when they passed away if it's a hit it is a setup. It don't matter where he is. Like if he got people doing that, it, would be perfect. People, that would yeah. be even better for him to set up his alibi exactly. rock solid, so that way he can get off. And if There's he gets no, off, the hitman get what off. What are you talking about? There's no way I could have done this. I was here. Exactly. And with how clean the job was, I don't know. Hitman, hit, hit, motherfucking man. Right. Shit, crazy. As fuck. So now we're gonna get into the mini theories. Oh, so close, but yet so far off. There have been so many theories on this case over the decades. One woman, Carol Schultz, had a theory that Robert Gierce was involved with the wife of a man named Carol Horton. That's an interesting name. I know, and they're spelled like different, similar but different. Yeah. Hers has one R and one L. His has two R's and two L's. Right. His wife, Diane? Mm-hmm was seen at the scene of the crime with a neighbor bawling her eyes out. Schultz was determined to take down Horton, but the court looked at her findings as a joke. Yeah, so this right here, this Carol Schultz lady, it's like a whole thing. It's a Mm. whole another narrative, a whole theory, almost a whole different case, if you will. Um, Mm. Because she, I don't know, she used to like write about flowers and do reports on like little shit like that. And um, I guess she was intrigued to cover their case and look into it deeper because she said herself that the men were attractive and who wouldn't be interested in why, right. you know, these right, three right. attractive young businessmen that I probably would have, you know, been happy to involve myself with um like who would just want to kill them and she was like everybody wants to know you know what happens and she Mm -hmm. she even stated but you got to remember the times (laughs) but she even stated Mm -hmm. if it were three old fat um women nobody would have cared and the only reason why people cared about this case is because it was three young businessmen who were attractive yeah yeah no that is pretty weird Mm -hmm. however the theories don't stop there Another theory that shocked the media was the assumption made by an incarcerated man that believed President Nixon ordered a hit on the three men. And this doesn't sound too far-fetched. <laughs> yeah, because if you think about this time, like, um, this is a time of, like, Al Capone and mm-hmm. the mafia thing and that whole deal. So. And presidents were just um, sketchy back then. Questionable. Well, they still are. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, no. And... The stuff that I've been reading about Nixon recently in the class that I'm in currently, mm-hmm. we covered like Watergate, Nixon, JFK, civil rights, like practically everything. It's about American history. Good stuff. Good and stuff. Uh, there's a lot under Nixon's belt. Yeah, there's Nixon's a lot of questionable fucking... stuff with him. Yeah, His name just keep coming up. Nixon's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Like, what the hell? And everybody, like, loves, like, if you talk to even, like, older people, they love, like, going in on the whole Nixon and mm. Watergate thing. So it'll be fun. No, like, I'd be down. We need yeah. to cover Watergate. Also, I'd be down to cover Bohemian Grove. Just all these questionable, controversial yeah. theories we're down we're down for it so if you guys are interested in those let us know because that would be pretty fun to get into and also jfk and not just jfk alone but specifically the kennedy curse and his relationship with With marilyn Marilyn. monroe 
that'll be interesting to check out. Juicy. Yeah. Definitely. And there's a lot with that. And the Kennedy curse, that shit. That, there's no way it's not sucks, real. That sucks, man. That really sucks, though. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So, those will be fun to get into, hopefully. But it's definitely not far-fetched to believe that Nixon probably ordered a hit on the man. Because, right, Nixon was involved with, like, the mafia yeah. and the mob yeah. in he certain ways. He hated Al Capone. Like, yeah. He absolutely hated Al Capone. So if one of these victims, or all of them, or two of them, however many, was involved, or even if there was a a theory or a thought that they're involved in it, I could see why he would probably... Mm-hmm. Try to just eradicate and just right. get rid of them. Right. But also for what? Like, why not just take out the top dog? Well, I don't know. Nixon liked to line his Or do you like to work your way up? You know how the mob be. They like to... He liked to line his own pockets. And he had a lot of stuff that he was mm-hmm. trying to cover up. So, mm-hmm. you know, the mafia kind of getting in the way of that. But that's a whole story. I see. But yeah. also, I don't know if this is true or not. But, like, in the mob, don't they... Kind of like work their way up to yeah, like scare whole, you. There's a whole like they use fear as a big tactic. No, I'm talking about like, for example, if the mob was trying to get a hit out on you before they even get close to you, they're probably gonna go to Georgia oh, and get yeah, your yeah, family. Yeah, no, they do they're gonna all, yeah. go to California and yeah. get your friends. Then yeah, they're gonna yeah. get me. It's gonna get closer yeah, and closer and closer yeah. until, mm-hmm. until you it's give on into, you. Either you give into what they want or they get you. It's yeah. So ugh, just not, not. Not the type of people you want to fuck with. Yeah, you just gotta be. You gotta be careful who you <laughs> yeah. like. And we need to be careful saying what we're saying before they come get us. Next. <laughs> accepting favors. Don't accept favors. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't ever, because there's always something that's wanted in return, that's worth more than what the favor was. Yeah. And that's in real life and in jail. Mm-hmm. Circling back to Euland, former Indianapolis PD Captain Robert Snow, who's in charge of the homicide, published a book and talked about how Detective Strode and his colleagues had been right all along, stating that Euland hired a hitman to kill Henson and Gierce, then collected his money and separated himself from the situation entirely. Which, that makes a lot of sense too, though. Like, all of these theories make sense. Yeah. And I see what police mean. Like, they all made sense. So it's like so much. So it's kind of hard to like pinpoint what makes the most sense. (laughs) Right. Even more evidence to prove this theory came to light when in 2001, police received a letter that was written by a man named Fred Harbinson, another businessman who worked for Euland, who also passed away. Yes, Euland passed away and um, Fred passed away. And they didn't read Fred's letter until. He had already passed. He had uh, left it in a safe, a safety deposit box. Like, mm-hmm. that's how secure he wanted this piece of paper to be. He oh, didn't wow. leave it with a person, like, nothing. And when it, the letter was finally opened and read, I, out, you know, it was taken out of that safety deposit box mm-hmm. after he had already passed away. Um, whoever opened it and read it was like, hmm. Yeah, I'm going to take this to the police. Yeah, (laughs) you guys might be interested in this. Check this out. Exactly, uh, and that's how it got to the police. So it had been, like, it had been originally opened a couple years before 2001, but the person didn't send it to the police until 2001. Excuse me. In his letter, he mentioned how Eulen had hired him to kill Henson and Gears, but never paid him for the job. Harbison knew he couldn't go to police or sue for his money, and he himself 
was afraid of Yulin, so he did nothing. Ooh. Yeah, that's a sticky situation. Yeah. But for somebody to, like, confess to something like this unprovoked, mm-hmm. that right there seals the deal for me. I'm, I mean, you know, I would say, like, okay, then again, you do have posers, but, like, why would somebody... Write a Go letter about to this. That link yeah. To like keep it so secret. Exactly. Then, exactly. Yeah. And I'm not sure if they ever further in- investigated this and like looked into Fred and seen like, oh, you know, he was on payroll. He did work for Uland around this time or whatever, whatever. But if he worked for Uland, that means that he probably more than likely knew Henson mm-hmm. and Gears. Mm-hmm. And probably even the third victim. Damn, yeah. Mhm. Damn, that's pretty crazy to think about, man. It sucks though, because like your conscience will eat you alive. So I mean, mm-hmm. in the end, there were no prosecutions made, and all of the known suspects that police were most confident about are all dead. Hmm. So even if they were to solve the case, like there's not going to be proper justice, right? Because. How are you going to give justice to somebody? Yeah, exactly. So police stated how one of the main factors in them not being able to crack the case was due to the huge number of motives that they had. That also included one of the victims playing part in an earlier murder and getting revenged on, infidelity, and the mafia. Hmm. Exactly. I don't know about you, but all of these (laughs) are big-ass targets on your back. All of these are pretty damn high. Too much shit makes sense right now. Like, if one of the victims did play a part in a murder prior to their killing, like, you know, to their death, um, that definitely, uh, yeah, of course, if somebody knew, yeah, you could get revenged on. But infidelity, I mean, people don't play with their hearts. Mm -hmm. And that definitely plays a part as well. Like, that is a huge Mm -hmm. target on your back. Especially if the person that's being cheated on knows and they right. find out especially even if it what if it's somebody that didn't even like you you know and then lastly the mafia like that's that's that says enough that's, that's, all, that's all you gotta say <laughs> yeah that's a lot already exactly overall there were too many motives and not enough evidence police have also stated in the past years that the likelihood of them solving this case is zero to none simply because anybody who might have had answers is long gone now. And that sucks and that's hella sad because, I mean, these three men literally just lost their lives. Like, what was... Fuck, I'm Cardi B. What was that reason? What was was the reason? Like, really? There's too many. It's just so many reasons. And then on top of that, like... If you're a criminal, you can't, like, you can't do clean shit. Like, <laughs> no. You have to find ways around it. So, exactly. And I don't know. Our condolences do go out to the families because I, there was no information about the families whatsoever if they had kids, if they were married. Right. I mean, there's just not a lot of information on these men in general. Um, maybe for good reason. Maybe if, they were tied to certain things. We don't know. We don't know anything. So, yeah, that's, I don't know. That's but whenever stuff. life is lost, like, it's still... 
It's still sad. Needs to be acknowledged. Yeah, it's still sad though, because it's like that's somebody's, you know, somebody's in son. such a brutal way. Just like John has said himself, um, you know, the scene, the crime scene was inhumane. Like it was so gruesome and just terrible. Yeah. So John himself even said like the crime scene was so gruesome and terrible. Like I don't know. I just feel like. Every case needs the light shined on it, pretty much. Yeah, no. Like, their lives still mattered, even though we don't yeah. know much about them. There's still people that cared about them. The fact that somebody went out their way to check on these men mm-hmm. says a lot. And, yeah, that's why we're bringing light to this case today. And, honestly, I haven't heard anybody talk about this case ever. It's a, it's a sad thing, like, when you have a case like this, you don't really have any information on the victim. Because yeah. it's like... And I don't want it to seem like we're not doing our research and doing our due diligence and, you know, trying to get to know right. the victim through reading about them. But there really just wasn't anything for these three individuals. Yeah, no, it, it's really sad because, like, these three people basically don't exist, like... They just disappeared. Oh, no, they do. <laughs> There's pictures of them. No, I, I get that. I'm saying, like, they just, outside of that. Like, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, you don't know anything else. You just know that. But the fact that he walked in, that's what I was trying to say. The fact that John walked into such a gruesome, like, crime scene is what is crazy. Yeah. Like, them being hogtied with sheets and, mm-hmm. I don't know, this just seemed like an event that took quite a bit of time. Which is just mind-boggling to me. Because how? How? Like, this definitely wasn't a quick one and done. Like, you're tying people up or whoever did it, you know. They're tying them up, Mm -hmm. separating them. That's a lot of work. Doing whatever else. Who knows what? Probably threatening them right before. Like, you never know. Mm -hmm. You don't know those last moments. Um, So, yeah. I don't know. It's just sad. And all we can do is... Just send our best wishes to the families, even though we don't even know who the families are. Um, but it's just sad. Yeah. And I feel like they're, this could have been solved, probably. Probably. But then again, I see why it's not. So that brings us to our ending questions. And for this episode, we have four. Would you? Should we come up with a name for the ending questions? Actually, I like it how it is. Really? <laughs> ending yeah. cues? Yeah. Okay. So... Question number one. Do you believe Euland or President Nixon were involved? Oh. Oof. And honestly, yes. yeah, yeah. Who do you think, though? I'm definitely leaning towards Euland more, though. Same. Because there, it's just too too many things. That too can, many. Uh, point there, to him. Exactly. There's a lot of theories, there's a lot of possibilities, but I definitely feel like Euland. There's more tying into Yulin than anything else. No, than anything else. Than any other theory. So, uh, over Yulin or Nixon, I definitely think if one of them were involved, it would definitely be Yulin. 
I don't know if Nixon. I feel like he got other shit to worry about. Right. Right. Yeah. Like why that? Yeah. Like I said, why would he go after three random men in right. the mob right, right. and not Al Capone? Right. Is Al Capone or is. or somebody that Al Capone cares about right. or you know right. knows right. whatever. So much. His niece, you know, exactly. something like that. Like not his niece. <laughs> That's how I'm coming. Like, I see. <laughs> I'm playing. Oh wait, do you have anything else to say? Um, yeah, no. Eulen just has so much. There's a life insurance policy. There's the fact that they worked for him. There's the fact the that, fact they, that they did him dirty when yeah, he, the they left. They, the fact that they undercut him and took his business and his money and his equipment. So yeah, if anything is motive, those three things for sure. Like you know, hell yeah. And clearly, he was thinking about getting back at them in some type of way. If he immediately went and took and out got, life insurance policy, exactly. Because otherwise. Why else would you bother? Right. You know, business is a shady world. Hell yeah. Hmm. That shit's weird. Mm-hmm. Business, man. What do y'all do? Comment down below or just let us know. Send us an audio clip. Send us an email. If you know exactly like what a businessman or honestly, a businesswoman's job would entail. Bruh, honestly, the best answer is whatever the description is. And that's <laughs> not even much because the description yeah. is just as vague. <laughs> they do business. Yeah. Like, that's, okay. that's, that's literally it. Yeah. It's going to send you in a circle. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Question number two is, do you believe Carol was looking for revenge? And not Carol Schultz, but Carol Horton, Horton the man. Um, and I don't. I don't believe this because where the hell did Carol get her? Yeah. Where the hell did Carol Schultz? get her information from right just out of the blue like was like like how did you come up with that i don't i don't i don't understand i just don't it's just you know you can't just be jumping to a conclusion right and what kind of revenge like there's no proof that says or any substantial evidence to lead to gears being involved with diane which is carol's wife Mm -hmm. i just don't i don't know it doesn't seem that plausible to me it doesn't uh, but then again, also, like, I don't know. I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Question three. Could the mafia be a key player in this case? <sighs> yes. Like DJ Khaled said, I got the key. Wait, was that DJ Khaled? Mm-mm. Who was it? Who was? Future. Future? No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. It had to be. It was Yo Gotti. Was it Yo Gotti? Oh, it was Yo Gotti. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it could. Who the fuck sang that song? I think you're right. No, I, got I really think you're right. DJ Khaled, I knew it. I know my shit. Oh, you right too. Future too. Oh shit. So what it was the... like a col- you know collab. Damn, DJ Khaled don't do shit. He just be there. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me finish my little pun. I got the key, the key, the key. <laughs> like. <laughs> Question three, could the mafia be a key player in this case? I think so, because why not? I don't think there's ever a time where you could rule out the mafia. (laughs) I feel like they could play a part in anything. Honestly. Honestly. But, uh, like, especially in this instance, um, it does seem likely, but Uland is really just like on my radar. Yeah, you know them businessmen. They they're a little they're a little interesting. Exactly. So why uh, I wouldn't put it past them. And the only reason I would say that the mafia would be a key player is the job was way too clean for just a regular Joe to go in there and do 
this the way they did it. Too clean, exactly. No evidence left behind. Right. No murder weapon, nothing. No blood. Like, well, it might have been blood everywhere, but, like, yeah. no weapon, no, you know, no nothing. No witnesses right. seeing a person flee the scene, nothing. Nothing. So, the last question is, do you think that Diane Horton knew what actually happened? And just a refresher. And honestly, actually, with this refresher, I think she... Pro- no, I don't know. I think it's on the edge. She might have known, but she might not have known. She might have just been sad. Because why was she crying? Mm-hmm. Like, n- with the neighbor. Why was she crying at the scene? Right. Like, bawling her eyes out as if this was her husband. Right, right. That is a little sus. Either you were involved with this man... And that's why you're hurt, mm-hmm. obviously so. Or you saw what happened and I don't know. But I don't think that she really like saw what happened. So uh, it's just I see why the police were confused. Yeah, no, it's it's a very tough situation because if she did know anything, like... Where's the proof? Right. That's what I'm there saying. isn't she any. knew anything. That, but... It's a very sad case all, all around. It's know? frustrating. Yeah. But with all that being said, that brings us to the end of episode 31. Oh and God. almost to 50. Yeah. We're over halfway. 50 goddamn episodes. Just wait. It's going to be Ooh, fun. Yes. But we've got some really fun stuff lined up for October. Oh, man. Spooky season. Yo, man, I'm so good. excited. It's great. Yeah. Oh, you know what's going to be even better? Hmm. These next couple of topics that we're about to get into. Oh, I can't wait. Hell, um, oh, sorry. yes. Next week, um, we are going to be covering stories of segregation. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Like, true stories of segregation where black individuals, like, recount the things that they have been through. And really, just what it was actually like day by day. I'm just so excited to cover this. To really understand, like... What the fuck we went through, right. or what our people went through right. during these times that weren't too long ago, Honestly, mind you. A little over what, 50 years ago? A little, yeah. All these same it's motherfuckers even, still alive. Right, not even, you know. So. They still walking around. Mm-hmm. Just and keep that in mind. And shit. Yeah. Voting and shit. Running the country. And shit. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Literally. We'll catch you next week, guys. I've been your host, DJ. And I've been your host, Sav. Stay light, stay bright, and stay positive. Catch you next week on Deeper Deeper Than Most. Most.